Welcome to today's episode of The Jack's Current, a podcast developed by Jack's USA, Northeast Florida's economic development organization. I'm Tina Worth, Vice President of Workforce Development, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Broderick Green, Jack's USA's Senior Director of Business Development. Thanks, Tina. I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, we're having a chance to sit down with Tim Cost, President of Jacksonville University and this year's Jack's USA Chair. Which means we're going to have to be on our best behavior, Broderick. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> this is our boss's boss, right? So, uh, Tim, I'm going to do a quick intro, and then we'll jump into some questions. That Great. sound good? Okay. Terrific. Tim Cost became Jacksonville University's 12th president in 2013, following a 30-year career at some of the world's top institutions, including PepsiCo, Eastman Kodak, and Bristol-Myers Squibb. Throughout his career, he has remained committed to helping mentor young talent and stayed closely connected to higher education through his years of committee, council, and board work. And there are a number of boards that Tim is serving on. So thank you for taking time to join us today in your many roles. Great to be here. Thanks. So I've had the good luck and fortune to be able to work with you and watch you lead in my workforce development role, but some may not understand the magnitude of the impact that Jacksonville University is having on the local community. Can you talk a little bit about some of your top initiatives and collaborations underway and how you think they affect continued growth in talent and economic development? It's nice to see you, Tina. Broderick, a pleasure. Um, I think the work you're doing with this podcast is terrific. I'm a big fan of Jack's USA and the work it does. That's so why I'm glad to be volunteered or to volunteer. <laughs> the question around what the, what the role of Jacksonville University can be, it doesn't surprise me. I think most people up until a few years ago thought of Jacksonville University sort of back into the woodwork a little bit. Uh, I heard one person say that at one point uh, the effect of the university had been bleached from the fabric. I mean, those are those are things as an alum, mm-hmm. a guy who graduated from here in 81, I came down here to play ball, um, fell in love with Jacksonville, Florida and the university. I went on the board in 09, 010, right in there. And my, my initial reaction, having been on some higher education boards and corporate boards, was this group seemed to be playing a little below its weight. You try mm-hmm. to punch above your weight. And it <laughs> seemed to me they were a bit withdrawn. They weren't sitting on boards. They weren't making themselves available. They weren't writing checks. They weren't trying to lead. And that's okay. I just thought it was dead wrong. And I said so in the <laughs> boardroom. And if you're not careful in a boardroom, you can end up leaving your job at PepsiCo and, and joining the, <laughs> your alma mater. So since then, now in, in 30 seconds, what we've been trying to do is to bring in the kind of talent. Some of them have backgrounds in the military, some in law, some in banking, some in business, some in higher ed, some in not-for-profit. Bring them together into sort of this SWAT team of people who believe that the university has a role to flex its muscles as an economic entity in Arlington first and then more broadly in Jacksonville. It's really gratifying. People have an interest in what we have to say, not me, the team and what the role of a higher education institution can be. There's a nexus point between a good private university and a community, and you've seen it in a lot of great cities in this uh, country. And we're proud. To, I'm sure we're going to get into it. We're proud to see what's coming out of it so far. It's been exciting to see the traction. Well, I think Broderick and I would agree that the visibility of the university has significantly uh, increased in the community. Absolutely. Since your time as a leader here. Absolutely. And, and you touched on the location of JU. It's uh, The campus is at the center of a new Arlington, which is a community redevelopment area that's focused on restoring that part of town. Can you talk a little bit about the role you see the university playing in that effort going forward? Sure. And I, I think the university ought to hold us to this. I mean, it's a it's been there almost 84 years now. Uh, it's not a place that's supposed to be hidden back behind gates. It's supposed to be I'm trying to turn the place inside out and make it the economic entity it could be. Picture it. It's a $272 million a year economic engine that's responsible for almost 4,000 jobs, 400 different industries. I mean, you look at something where people might say a little JU or a hidden gem. It's simply not the case. The role of any good private university, and we partner very well with the other three good schools here in town, 
is to see if we can be an anchor in Arlington. So we fought for and we're pleased to gain agreement with City Hall, first under Mayor Brown and now under Mayor Curry, for CRAs, for the proper use of local option gas taxes, for everything that has to do with complete streets and street diets mm-hmm. and burying utilities and pushing back and beautification and safety. And it's this thing feeds on itself, Broderick, as you know. People start to – they go from JU, I don't think about it at all, mm-hmm. to JU, Artist Gilmore, and then JU – I hear there's something going on over there <laughs> to where I think we're getting now, which is I've been, I've been really pleased to be able to attract some talented people who want to get involved in the community. So whether they have a military background or a business background, whatever it is, I think we ought to play a role that every business, industry, owner, employer, neighbor in Arlington ought to say, JU is going to be here. Mm-hmm. JU is going to support us. JU is going to invest. And that's why when I have a chance, I like to talk to all the groups about we've just put $32 million into that campus, which is, to me, $32 million into Arlington. Mm -hmm. And if there are others doing the same, put your hand in the air because I'd love to work with you. And so we like working with Mayor Curry. We like working. I mean, the governor's been supportive of Mm -hmm. what we're doing. uh, And I think that's part of the role we ought to play. People talk public-private partnerships all the time. When they see one actually come to life, I'd like them to pay attention. So that's that's interesting. I mean, uh Renew Arlington is one piece of the puzzle. So yeah. JU is also going to open up a satellite campus downtown. You've got a STEM partnership with with uh, Renaissance Jacks. Why don't you talk a little bit about you've been selected again to serve as host for the NCAA tournament for the yeah. first and second round as the host institution. That's a lot going on at one yeah. time. So that's, a, that's an exciting time. Um, how do you see JU's role in economic development kind of shifting both now and in the future to support the growth of, com- of the community? Sure. No, that's a good point. I mean, the way we do I'm an old strategic planner from my corporate days before I got into finance and then into this. I mean, you have to continue to look at which of these initiatives are growing bigger or smaller and moving into the range of is it high risk or high reward? Is it large demand on your resources or not? And this is just the most fun because we we came up with ideas like what about a partnership with OSEARCH? Um, you can talk all day that we're on the water. And you can only say that so many times before you say, there's a lot of schools on water. Okay, I wanted to advance us, and thank God we have Quint White, Dr. White, the idea that we could partner up with the largest shark research organization in the world and have them based at Jacksonville University. Got that done. Yeah. We wanted to be a major player in robotics because we think the next generation the vast majority of students who are graduating from JU, UNF, or anywhere else, by the time they're 35, their next jobs don't even exist today. The data on that is very clear. It's completely different when guys like me in our 50s were coming up. I'm going to be in finance. I'm going to be in mm-hmm. law. I'm going to be in whatever. I mean, these, the, the, what you're trying to teach these young people is the ability to stay light and nimble and fast and think. Um, and so this idea of what's our economic role, we're constantly out into the community, robotics, cybersecurity, aviation, marine sciences. If I start to go around that horn and I add engineering, the business school, finance and accounting, most people, if I just wrote those down, say, see, that's not what I thought JU did. It's liberal arts, right? That's a good point. Our base is liberal arts and sciences. I love the liberal arts and sciences. The New Wall Street Journal reports 72% of corporate CEOs have a liberal arts background, including me. And then you move quickly into your career. And then if you need to add, like I did, finance and economics masters, you're off to the races. So we see... We're this melting pot, this nexus point for all these smart people, we think, not just our professors and staff, but people are willing to interact with Jacksonville University, just like other good schools. You're Switzerland. You have no, there's no R or D next to your name. You're there trying to help. It's been fun. Jacksonville is a very flat, very fast, very accessible town if you want to do the sorts of things we're talking about. That's great. So leadership. 
It's been a key theme in your career from your time at PepsiCo and Bristol-Myers Squibb to your leadership right now developing talent through Jacksonville University. How does this translate into the work you do with the Jacksonville Civic Council? And for those listening who aren't familiar with the Civic Council, can you talk a little bit about its role in the community? Sure. Coming to town, again, four years ago, um, born and raised in New York, came down here, then went back up into the Northeast, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, all over the world. You want to just put the word Jax in front of everything, right? So there's <laughs> there's there's lots of visit Jax, Jax USA, Jax Chamber. You <laughs> we know. like our nickname. And, 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 and I, I think it's great. So well, for me, code. coming yeah. right, coming in new, kind of sorting them out and then trying to, with all kidding aside, sort of what's the efficiency in if you can help. There's some things you can't help. I'm glad to sit on hospital boards and public company boards and symphony and WJCT I'm a huge fan of. But in this case, it was the Civic Council different than other groups. The Civic Council is 75 chief executive officers in the Northeast Florida area. It's not um, senior staffers. It's not a lobbying group. We don't write big checks to people. You have to be invited to come in. Uh, they're very serious about what they do, and uh, I'm the incoming chairman of that, and they've had tremendous leadership over the years from Ed Burr and Steve Halverson and all the way on back to Peter Rummel. But the, their goal and their role, because we just finished writing our strategic plan, is to take on challenging and difficult policy issues that help Jacksonville that others won't. And that last part is really important. <laughs> yeah. The Chamber of Commerce does a great job at things. Jack's USA does. JPEF does. I can go right on down the line of things. If people have something covered, we're not saying, let's see if we can put our stamp on it, too. We're looking at something like, you know, how is it we, had, we published original research on pensions several years ago? Uh, we had an opinion on, on LGBTQ. I mean, we, we believe when you step into some of these areas, whether it's what you do with Duval County Public Schools or what, these are a lot of smart people, men and women, who have the top job in their business. Most of it is for profit, but there are not-for-profits in there as well. Yeah. Well, that's great that the legacy of this particular group continues because the original formation of it way back when had everything to do with the quality of public education. And I think it's such a live and hot topic that if you look at the current strategic plan we've rewritten, I told you I'm an old strat planning guy, you know, we've looked out about 10 years and said, what are the big issues? How about the finance, the public financing of the city of Jacksonville? And Either everybody's working on that or nobody's working on that. And we are not looking to do the work of City Hall, but we are looking to say, we got a lot of smart people. We know how to do research. We bring in analytical types to do the work. And then we go ahead and we make this stuff available. And um, I'll tell you, the, the commonality, the crossover points between the Civic Council and the Chamber and Jack's USA and other organizations, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the fact that these are all, everybody knows everybody. I mean, this is a real, when I say this is an accessible town, We tried to do things like this. I headed up a similar group in Philadelphia, and um, it was between being difficult and impenetrable. That's just how Philadelphia is. We did the same thing in midtown Manhattan. Those aren't places where people are saying, sure, yeah, yeah, we'd love to have your idea. Come on, bring me your and your idea. Sure. I don't care who gets the credit. This town is different. I mean, this town, you can feel it does want to punch above its weight. And that's exciting because everybody's got some good ideas. We try to harness them. And if you work at a university, I think you're seen as somewhat agnostic. Makes yeah. it a little easier to, to compile things. Yeah. You know, I would think that some of our prospects that are taking a look at the region would argue that it's our spirit of collaboration and cohesion that makes them recognize we've got a good workforce pipeline and... I've always said that's our secret weapon, yeah. you know, is, is our, our, our ability to be accessible to those from outside the market. So it, it, it plays well out in the marketplace for us. 
So listen, your resume reads like a who's who of companies. Um, You have a lot of big names in there in the corporate world. But I'm wondering if you might share with us maybe one of your most memorable or favorite experiences at one of these companies and, and how it may have helped shape your career to date. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I never set out. I mean, everybody's got a career path. When you get to be in your 50s and someone starts to read your resume backward, it looks like, oh, this was this incredible master plan to <laughs> see if you could be. I ended up at eight, you know, Fortune 500, almost Fortune 100 companies. They were all great. I didn't set out to collect brand names. Uh, I liked certain industries. Uh, I liked being in the largest player in each industry. So whether it was Aramark or Bristol-Myers or PepsiCo or Kodak, I was drawn to those things and was fairly mobile and agile and could get around. To your question, the pieces, and it drew me to ultimately why you and I are sitting now, that, I, that kept coming around to me is as I was advancing along the way, it's like a great sales rep the better they sell in the field, the quicker they get promoted. Now we got to bring them back into the home office and we're going to have all the sales reps report to them. What you just did is you took somebody who knows how to sell and you took them out of what they know how to do. Mm-hmm. And now they're managing. I mean, I used mm-hmm. to see this all the time in these incredible companies. I work big global companies. I mean, PepsiCo, we were $80 billion and 350,000 people. So for me, the most memorable stuff I got to do, and I had to work hard later in my career to get at it, was today, young people call it mentor. I just used to love to coach and lead young people. And even all the way back to when I was 22, I came out of here at Jacksonville University at 21 and got a job with you know America's most admired company. I mean, the company that led the world in patents six years in a row. Everybody wanted to get a job there, Kodak. I mean, we sort of chuckle at it today, but Kodak was, I mean, it was a legendary corporation in 1981. I went up there and the memory is they hired five people into a program, um, a woman from Harvard, a woman from Princeton, a male from Stanford, and a male from Brown, and a kid from Jacksonville. And they used to make comments, uh, which I appreciated as a young athlete, you know, which of these is not like the other? And I used to smile (laughs) over beers with them in Rochester, New York, and say, you know, you know who y'all be working for someday, right? So, you know, that was lighthearted in its day, but within just a couple of years, there we were. And I loved that idea of being able to give some thought and help these young people along their careers. The higher you get into a PepsiCo or a Bristol-Myers, the more you're only interacting with the top 100 or 200 people in the company. So um, my wife and I had lots of conversations when JU asked if I'd consider this about, is this the way you can drill right through, diagonally slice across an organization and try to help 18 to 22-year-olds, where at PepsiCo, I never got to see an 18 to 22-year-old. It's been gratifying. It's kind of a challenge accepted moment for you back in the early days there, right? Yeah, well, I was the only athlete, so I had to step up, you know. It's, uh... So what made, you talked a little bit about what, what kind of brought you back here, um, but really what's what's been your focus and what's going to be your focus going forward as president? Great. No, that's a good question. The, um, the goal coming back was literally could you help? And I know today we use terms like servant leader as though we all um, went down a path like I wonder how I can become a servant. It was not that way at all. Uh, to me, my wife and I were very fortunate. Stephanie's run her own businesses, started her own things, chaired her own boards up in the northeast of the U.S. Was was there a place where in the second and a half act of our careers, uh, we could find a different way? We'd done a lot of the corporate stuff. We'd chaired a lot of things uh, in various other cities. And could we bring something and give something back? Jacksonville University changed the trajectory mm. and the angle of my life. I came down here fairly unrefined, I think. And thanks to Fran Kinney and other people, learned a ton in and out of the classroom, went up and felt you know, very capable, ready to compete. 
So now the goal to come back was could you serve? And these students, I'll tell you, it's amazing. They want to be, they want to do what we're doing right now. It's it's so flat and available to them. It's very different. What you and I would have in my day in the 70s or 80s, you know, the idea of writing a letter to a CEO and hoping someday they might write back. You know what they do now? They text me and they're in my office in 15 minutes. I mean, that, getting them used to, you know, you want to know what a CEO looks like, yeah. Bill? Come here. This is what a CEO looks like. This is what they dress like. This is what a boardroom's like. This is how you got to talk. And it's trying important. to get them ready to compete if they're hungry for it. A lot of them want to go on to additional schooling. I honor that too. But Jacksonville University these days is really carving an attractive niche as a place where Good students can come. They've done a lot of extracurriculars in high school. If you got a 1600 SAT, it's possible you're not coming to our school. But if you're a 1200 to a 1400, played two or three sports, or in the student government, and you want to come and do one, two, or three things of the 127 student organizations I've gotten, 20 D1 sports, we're a good place for you to go. And you'll come out and you'll be ready. I mean, that's my goal is that these students come out and there is no on-the-job training time. They come out and they're used to interacting with whether it's General Fleming or President Cost or Colonel Horner, whoever it is that they're ready. And we hear it a lot from employers that there's something a little bit different about your students, and that's what we're shooting for. That's great. Tim, thank you for sitting with us and chatting. But before we let you go, we like to kind of have one quirky question. What did 12-year-old Tim Cost want to be when he grew up? (laughs) 12-year-old Tim Cost, that was uh, 1971. Believe it or not, quick answer, I had just watched the NCAA basketball championships on television. The basketball championships, the March Madness, was not on TV back in 71 like it is today. You've, you picked 12. I didn't. 19, <laughs> 1970, March of 1971, the team I just watched on television was Jacksonville University. And I'd never heard of Jacksonville University. I just lost to UCLA in March of 71. And my goal was, I asked my dad, because they had the letters Jacksonville all along the bottom, and it was a guy named Artis Gilmore, who now works for us. And at 12 years old, I was, it's not what I wanted to be, it was what I was certain I was going to be. I was positive I was going to be a professional athlete. And um, the reason I wear a suit and tie now is because I wasn't good enough. So it's nice to be back (laughs) serving in another way. Good question. Well, again, thanks for sitting down with us, taking a few minutes to talk about JU's impact on the Jacksonville community, its role in economic development, and certainly your focus going forward. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks to you both. Go Jacks USA. Thanks, everyone. Join us next month when we sit down for more great conversation with Northeast Florida leaders. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share with your colleagues and your friends. We'll connect next time on The Jacks Current.